I like that phrase, King Jesus. I don't know that we really often maybe use that term other than in a song lyric like that, but it's nice to pause and think about him that way. We refer to the Lord in so many different ways. Um, even that song also says our Father and, and Lord and Jesus and Christ and Savior and all the different ways that we refer to him because he means so much to us and he really is so much. He's all of that and more. Um, I was reminded, um, some of you probably know that last month my wife and I got to go to Italy and see uh, Brother Pedro and Sister Maria Guzman and the congregation there in Turin. In uh, one of the con conversations that we have with Brother Pedro, um, talking about this idea of King Jesus reminded me. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of the Italian language and the Spanish language, there's quite a bit of crossover there, or they're very similar words that... Uh, are spelled or pronounced similarly, but across those two languages. I, I started to hear, um, and I, I thought, I, I know this term because I've heard it many times, even at home um, here in Yakima. When, when people greet one another, they say, Pasa de Cristo, right? You've heard that before? And um, so I started to hear that and pick up on it a little bit. And, and Brother Guzman had said, what? Well, I started, you know, saying that because other people were saying it. And uh, he said, one day I felt like I just needed to ask him, which that means the peace of Christ. Okay, Pasa de Cristo means the peace of Christ. So it's kind of a, a greeting similar in, in fashion. They use it in similar fashion to how we say praise the Lord, right? You were walking around shaking hands with people before service. You shake their hand, praise the Lord, how are you? So, Pasa de Cristo. And, and, and Brother Guzman said, one time I felt like I needed to say, which Christ? The peace of Christ, which Christ? And honestly, what I believe that is, it's a way of making sure I know who I'm talking about. And you know who I'm talking about. I might or might not know who you're talking about, but I want you to know who I'm talking about. He says, so I started saying, Pasa de Cristo de Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That Christ. There is no other. And so when I say King Jesus, there is no other. You, you might remember when he was being crucified, the scripture tells us that one of the uh, accusations against him was that he called himself king of the Jews. Well, somewhere in the translation of all of this, uh, they made a sign and they put it on the cross that said, Jesus, king of the Jews. And the Jews didn't like that. The Jews of that day that saw this and their response was, we have no king but Caesar. Every time I read that or, or think of that, it, it just pricks my heart. Because he really is king. King Jesus. We, you, I grew up hearing words like king of kings. 
Lord of Lords. He really is King. So to go all the way to the other extreme and say, I don't have any King but Caesar, that is a far leap. And it is, I guess I would have to say, a destructive leap. It's what we would call self-incriminating. A self-incriminating statement. I only have one king and, and that's not it. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32. Verse 15 is where I'm going to start reading. I don't want to take a lot of time, but I wanted you to see some things in Scripture that the Lord has been dealing with me about. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 15. Just a little bit of reading to get you here. Deuteronomy 32, 15. But Jeshurun, that means Israel. That's another term for the people of Israel, God's chosen people. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat. Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Now, I don't have a lot of time to go into the whole background of where we're reading, but if you think about it, you've probably heard the term, the, the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So we're reading in Deuteronomy here. And this is the word of God given through Moses to his people. God has already called the children of Israel out of Exodus. They are now in the midst of their journey into their promised land while we're reading this. But God causes Moses and the people to stop, take a little pause and say, I've got some words for you. Almost the entire book of Deuteronomy, 34, 35 chapters, takes place just from the moments they step out of Egypt and until they start their real wandering in the wilderness, those 40 years. So this book doesn't really cover that whole 40 years. It's kind of a little snapshot of we're out of Egypt and we're getting ready to go into Canaan. And the Lord says, let me give you some instruction. Let me give you some words for where you're headed. But here he pauses and again and he says, let me remind you of who you have been. And not just you, but your whole lineage, the children of Israel. I started this thing with Abraham. I said, Abraham, go out from your land to a land I'll show you and I'll make of you a great nation. And you know the generations passed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob Jacob becomes Israel, his descendants, the 12 tribes that we call the tribes of Israel. 
And now we're several hundred years past that. And God is saying, Israel, my chosen people are really not living the way they should. I mean, they've got some ups and downs. They've got some good times and some bad times. He says, then he forsook God, that he meaning the whole nation again, forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed. That's kind of like saying, well, I don't really have a king. I don't really have a Lord. I mean, yeah, there's this, there's this guy, uh, Yeshua, or, or in that day they would have called him Elohim or, or one of these other terms talking about God, Jehovah. But, you know, he's not that big a deal. The Lord is saying, this is the attitude you've taken towards me. You've lightly esteemed the rock of your salvation. If it wasn't for this rock, you wouldn't have salvation. But you're not really acknowledging who I am and what I've done. Verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations, provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. It's I'm just, I'm trying to be honest with you and trying to be real with you. The Lord had real and honest conversations with his people. He told Abraham, I will be like a father to you, and you will be like my children. Now, most of you probably have different conversations sometimes at home with your family than what you're used to having here in church, right? <laughs> Maybe you've heard this statement, wait till we get home. <laughs> Why? Why? Because the relationship and the role that's expressed is going to change. Wait till we get home. Then I'm going to talk to you like a father talks to their child. Or like a mother talks to their child. Here in the church, oh, we just love each other. Hug one another. Pasa de Cristo. <laughs> we love each other, but wait till we get home. Well, this book, Deuteronomy, is kind of like the Lord saying, we're home and I'm going to talk to you plain. I'm talking to you directly about you, your fathers, their fathers, all the generations of my people and how you've really been acting. You sacrifice to devils. You sacrifice to gods that you don't even know. And yes, it made me jealous. And yes, it made me angry. Verse 18. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful. You're not thinking about it. It's kind of gone out of your head. The rock that begot you. 
and hast forgotten God that formed thee. Verse 19, And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. Now, most of you know this. I've got five kids. I can relate a little bit here. When I start to see one attitude in one child affect another attitude in another child. That's the same thing the Lord says. The provoking of my sons and my daughters. You're starting to sound a lot like your sister right now. I heard your brother use that word yesterday. I think that's where you learned it from. You know, that's kind of the, the approach that the Lord is taking here, and he's not happy about it. He's saying, your actions provoked my other sons and my other daughters to act the same. You think the Lord takes this seriously? Amen. I know he does. If I could really sum up the feeling and the expression of the Lord in a phrase here, what he's feeling right here, it would be, you're my children, you need to act like it. You're not somebody else's kids. How many of you have heard this phrase? Well, at so-and-so's house. Or when I go to school and all the other kids. All right, let's draw the line and make sure you see it as clearly as I do. Their house, our house. Your school, your house. Other families, our family. It's what the Lord is trying to get across to this group of people that he's talking to. Verse 20, it says, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very froward generation, children in whom there is no faith. I was actually listening to uh, a minister talk about something, uh, and he just read this verse. He mentioned it. And when that word froward was heard in my ears, it's like it hit me between the eyes. Froward. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I just thought, okay, I, I know the Lord is dealing with me about that one word. I better go figure out it, really what it means and what he's saying about that because there's, that's a heavy word. First of all, it's not forward. It looks like forward, but the R and the O are switched. So it's a completely different word, okay? Not a forward generation, a froward generation. When I think of froward, to me, it sounds like somebody going either in the wrong direction or going in all directions. My, my first thought when I hear that verse and where my mind went was to the scripture that says that it talks about people who are like children tossed to and fro or carried from one to the other all around. Okay, Because fro is not a word that we use a lot, especially in our modern language, but to and fro gives me the, the understanding it's a, it's a generation that's not in the right way. 
in some form or fashion. That's kind of how it sounds to me. Well, you're not just interested in how it sounds to me. This is what it actually means to be perverse, but not like in the perverse that you probably think. It means to be changed or to be turned from one thing to another thing. So a generation that is turned from one thing to another thing to transform or to turn this way and that way or to turn every way. So yeah, it kind of is like that toss to and fro going this way and going that way. But every way that it's going is wrong. There's not like a 180 degrees difference and you're either headed away from the Lord or you're headed to him. No, you're going all over the place. So a generation, everybody say generation. generation. That means the whole multitude that's alive on the earth at this time. The generation is froward, is turned, is going everywhere, all the wrong places at one time. First, we have to make sure that we are not froward ourselves with this understanding. Because the Lord, again, he's talking to us as our father and saying, you're in the midst of a froward generation, a generation that doesn't know which way is right, a generation that doesn't know which way is up and which way is down. You're in the middle of that. The scripture does say that we are in the world, but not of the world. So I have the understanding that just because everyone else around me is like this, I don't get to use the excuse, well, that's why I'm like it too. Uh, excuses like that don't fly here. Because yes, you are surrounded by them, but you are not them. You are not excused to be one of them. Does that make sense? So I've got to make sure I'm not froward. I, I heard a story one time. When I was a little kid, I didn't live out in the Northwest um, where there's orchards and vineyards and all this that we get to see uh, all around us. No, I'd have to drive out in, far out into the country to see a farm or to see anything like this. But it would always catch my eye. How do they get those rows so straight? And you know, when you're doing 60... 65, 70, that's the limit. <laughs> so when you're passing and they're like, wow, straight, 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 straight. As a kid, I'm thinking, how in the world do they get, you know, so many rows perfectly straight in a line? And I heard, I, I remember hearing this um, example. I, I think it was a preacher that I heard say it, but it was, you know, he, he was saying, if I focus on the ground when I'm putting these seeds in the ground, I'm going to go this way a little bit and that way a little bit. It's very hard to walk in a straight line when I'm looking down at what's around. And I'm thinking, well, that's a little bump, so maybe I need to put it this way. And there's a rock here, so let's go right to the side of it. No. What they do is they put a target out at the end of the row. 
and say, I'm going to focus on that the whole way. And so this is a straight line because of the point at the end. That really is how you make sure you're not a froward person. I don't want my line to be a little bit over here and a little bit over here because I'm looking at this or I'm hearing that and I'm thinking about that for a bit. And I'm just kind of, <laughs> pardon this term, but it looks like an ADHD person put that row down because they were thinking about this. And then I'm thinking about that. And then I saw a squirrel over here. No, you've got to have the point fixed and say, I'm not taking my eyes off of that point. Now we know the point is the Lord. My focus is on him. My mind should be on him. My eyes should be on him. And doing that, I'm not going to go one side a little bit, then the other side a little bit. I'm going to stay straight. So I've got to make sure I'm not froward. We are not froward. Then, with this understanding, if you believe the Bible is true and it talks about a froward generation, we have to acknowledge and be aware of the effects of living among a froward generation. We don't, you've probably heard this phrase, feed them to the wolves. That's, that's what it would be like if I just don't put any guard up and I just know, well, I'm living among a froward generation, but I'm just, I'm not even going to acknowledge it. I'm just going to live in a bubble. The problem is bubbles burst, especially around sharp objects. And when you're in, in the midst of a froward generation, a wrong generation, and you're not even thinking about it, the whole thing can move and shift. Being, a, being an apostolic Pentecostal in 2023 is not a whole lot like being an apostolic Pentecostal in 1923. In the sense of what's going on around us. Now, the Lord never changes. His word never changes. His spirit is constant. So in some ways, when I can close all the doors, close all the areas and avenues of influence and get alone with God, now it doesn't matter what time frame I'm in. He's the same. It's the God that spoke to Moses. He's going to speak to me. But let's be real. Most of us don't have the luxury of staying closed off from this world more than maybe half an hour, an hour, or a couple of hours at a time. Because then we've got our responsibilities. Then we've got our other things we've got to do or places we've got to go. I'll give you a, a nice little example. You, you, we believe in going to church, right? Amen. We, we, we believe that that's what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And you're here today, and I'm thankful for that. Praise God. But how many of you 
did like a horse in a buggy and put blinders on before you left to go to church. I don't want to see one evil thing. No, I, I, can't, I can't look. I, I got to get to church and I can't see anything else. I can't. No, we don't. I'm just being real with you. Even if you say uh, the only place I'm going to go is to church. Okay, well, you better look for one of these houses right around here. If you don't want to be influenced by the world. On your way to church. I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to be real with you. You, we have, that's why 2023 is not a lot like 1923 because of the things you see on your way to church. Right? So it is a forward generation around us that doesn't know the point of truth, that doesn't know the light like we know it. So I've got to be aware of the effects of living amongst a froward generation. You've heard the story of Lot. I can sum it up this way. He lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, which at its time was one of the worst places um, in, the, in the flesh on the earth at that time. And the Bible says that Lot, who was a just man. He tried to do things right, but it says he was vexed by the filthy conversation of the wicked. He lived amongst a froward generation. And even though, yes, he is Abraham's nephew, I mean, he's about as close to the original man of God for that lineage as he could be. But even he, living amongst a, an evil, wicked, turned away from, perverse generation, he was vexed in his inward man because of the things that he was exposed to in the course of his life from the generation around him. Let me help you. Because to be to acknowledge and to be aware of this generation and its effect and its impact on us, it will help you if you know how God feels about this. How God feels about it. Not Elder Flowers, not Elder Hart, not Bishop. How God feels about it. And how do you get that? You get that from the Word of God. His word is forever settled, and he's dealt with pretty much anything that you're going to wonder, how, does you, how do you feel about this, Lord? It's in the word. Somebody say, it's in the word. Now, I'm sorry I don't have time to go from Genesis to Revelation with you today to prove that. But if you will go in the word with your time, and maybe we'll just start with the one issue. How do you feel about this, Lord? Take it into the Word. Study, pray, and let the Lord guide you, and you will learn. I don't think King Jesus feels so great 
about this thing that the froward generation is promoting or allowing. You get that. And when you, when you learn the Lord's stance on a situation, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. It gets a thousand times easier to live amongst a froward generation if you know the Lord doesn't like that. The scripture is clear against that. Now you've got something to stand on. I, taught, I was taught this when I was a kid. I stand upon the word of God. And, and spiritually, everything that the Lord tells me and shows me from his word is supposed to be a stance for me. I, I know this is part of this, this weird, froward, perverse generation is take a stand. Take a stand. Come on, stand up, take a stand against this, for this, for this, for that. And you've got to take a stand. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm careful to say this because I, I don't want it to be misconstrued. But in a lot of ways, the world around us has gotten better at taking stands than the Christians have. Because we, we don't know what we're standing on. If it's anything but the Word of God, oh, I don't know. Can I say that? Can I not say that? Is it all right to feel this way? Is it not all right to feel this way? Can I express this or can I not? If it's the Word of God, stand on it. I'll tell you why. Because heaven and earth shall pass away but the word of god is forever settled it is the one sure foundation it is the one thing that you can stand on i know it looks like you know well if you do, if you do some some uh studies of of time and where we were at in like the 60s and 70s and then into the 90s and then the turn of the century and the 2000s all the way up today to now it looks like this stance is getting more and more solid or more and more popular i'm talking about the ways of the world the things that the world would promote you know i've been you you, you hear this i've been fighting for this cause a long time it's the kind of thing that's like said at a rally you know, I'm not talking about a Jesus rally. I've been fighting for this for a long time. And now I've got 50 people on my side. Or now I've got 50,000 people. Or now I've got half the country. It's the same thing. And if that, that's why I say it looks like it's getting like a more and more firm stance, an okay thing. We're getting more people on board with this, promote this. If it's not the word of God, it will not stand. Go down to chapter 32, verse 19, or sorry, verse uh, 45. 
the Lord is wanting to help us to live among this, to know how to live among this generation. Moses made an end of speaking all these words to Israel. He said to them, set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which you shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. Let me pause and just say that is a common theme all the way back to the beginning of this book, Deuteronomy. You've probably heard Deuteronomy 6, 14. They call it the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love. You know all that. And then it says, and thou shalt teach these things to your children. Why? Because if they learn it as a child, they've already understood this is the thing I'm standing on. It's a whole lot easier to teach a child with faith, with childlike faith. It's a whole lot easier to teach them than to take a man, a young man, an adult man, or an adult woman and say, I'm sorry, but you just have to believe it in faith. Why? Because years of standing on unstable ground have made that adult skeptical to anything and everything. But the child learning it early in, in age says, I don't think that's right. I think this is right. I know some people do that, but I do this. I was taught this is right. And again, it's repeated throughout the scripture and even throughout this book of Deuteronomy, as it says here, the things that, I tell, that I'm telling you, you shall command your children to observe, to do all the words of this law. There, there, there's a, I, I like this, open setting like this, because there's all ends of the spectrum, from teenagers in here to unmarried young adults who think, God forbid, the day I have kids, <laughs> to, to young parents with young children who are right in the throes of this, all the way up to parents, older parents with older children, young adults, adults, and grandparents. They're, we're all in this room right now. If, if I said, all right, if you... Just imagine how crazy this would be. If you have children between the ages of 5 and 15, you meet me outside out here and we're going to go have a lesson. The rest of you, you're too, you don't have them yet, or they're too young, or they're too old. Sorry. No. This is word and instruction to the whole body of Christ. The whole of all the generations of the body of Christ. Because when your time comes to influence a child, are you going to take that seriously? Are you going to be the witness, the example, the voice, the influence? Some of us, thank the Lord, we had these influences in our childhood. Others of us, we didn't have it at all. 
Either way, you see the value of it, right? If you had it, you thank the Lord. I see the value of learning those things as a child. If you didn't, you say, thank the Lord. I'm not going to let my child go through what I went through without the value and the voice and the instruction of the word of God. Verse 47 says, For it is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life. Somebody say, it's my life. It's not a vain thing. This is not a small thing. It's not an insignificant thing. These words, these laws, understanding that the generation around you, the world around you, is going to go every other possible direction away from that which is right. But you know what's right, and you're going to live and teach what is right. That's not a small thing. That is your life. Through this thing you shall prolong your days in the land, whither you go. Real quickly, I want to read two more passages of Scripture. I'm going to go through these quickly. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10. If you look up that word froward and study it like I did, you see it's in, it's in Deuteronomy one time, like we just read. And all the other occurrences of the word are in Proverbs. Froward. Now you know what it means to be turned every which way but right. Look at this. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee. Somebody say, deliver me. Discretion, understanding, wisdom, knowing the thing that is right, will deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things. Hear me, please. You will not make it through the rest of your life and never hear someone that speaks froward things. Some of you will probably hear it before this day is over because of where you're going to go after this. I don't mean that like rude or prophetically. I'm just saying it's part of life. You're going to go wherever and you're going to hear things spoken from a froward place. What's going to keep you from that? Knowing what's right. Wisdom discretion, understanding. Those things will deliver you from the ways of an evil person and from the ways of the ones that speak these things. Keep reading. Verse 13. Who leave, this who is the, the froward, the evil, who leave the paths of, of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked. Whose ways are crooked 
and they are forward in their paths. Now that's five verses, and it's mentioned four times there at least to my count. This idea of forward, repeated, repeated, repeated. And by the way, we say Proverbs is written by, written by the wisest man, Solomon, through the instruction, the, the uh, inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So yes, these are words written down by a smart man, but they're actually inspired by the true one spirit of God, who is wisdom. So wisdom is telling you and me, there are people that love the crooked way, the froward path. Let me give you this visual if I can. If you look up this term, uh, crooked and, and, and froward, another place where it comes from is the actual word is S-C-O-L-I-O, -O, scolio or scalia. You've probably heard of the term scoliosis before, right? Which is a medical diagnosis of a curved spine. That's where the word comes from. Scalia, curved like that. Not straight like it should be, but curved. It's the same with this idea of living in a generation, in a world that likes to take what should be straight, what should be solid, and say, let's move it over here a little bit. Let's blur it this way a little bit. It doesn't matter if it's really all that right. Let's just make it what we want to make it. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. You know Acts chapter 2. It's the start of the church in the day of Pentecost. And then in uh, the later verses, Peter is speaking to those that heard people speak in tongues and say, what is this all about? Peter preaches to them. They say, what shall we do? You, you know, it says it. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said, what shall we do? Then Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to, you know all that. Verse 40 is the next verse. And with many other words. That's, <laughs> okay. With many other words. That was my bookmark. That little funny laugh is my bookmark to come back to that. With many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. This is the same thing that said all the way back in Deuteronomy by the Lord through Moses to the children of Israel. You're among a froward or an untoward generation. I got to remind you, this is Acts chapter 2, the one that us Pentecostals love to preach and teach. We know 238 because we, we call it the formula. 
But the verse, two verses later, it says that's not the only thing he said. With many other words, he testified and exhorted and said, it's not enough to just have this experience. It's not enough to just get into a Pentecostal service, feel the flow of the Holy Ghost, the touch of the Spirit of God, and to get baptized in Jesus' name and to receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. That's the start. Now I've got many other words. But I can sum it up by saying, pay attention to the untoward generation around you. Pay attention to this world and contrast that to this Pentecostal experience. And the idea, this is the last thing I think I'm going to say, the idea of save yourselves. You've been around long enough to know that if we were talking about salvation, it wouldn't work. You cannot get yourself to heaven, can you? So that's not what it means when it says save yourself. What it means is keep yourself, guard yourself, preserve yourself. Anybody ever do canning, vegetables, fruits, things like that? You, you know what it means to preserve something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all these apples, smush them up, do whatever you do with them. I don't, I'm not one of those. And I'm going to seal them in an airtight container. Why? Because not only, I mean, that's good stuff in there. But what, it, what could be done to it from the atmosphere around it would ruin it. Just put an apple out there in the grass and come check on it every Sunday and see how it looks you're going to see what the world around the apple does to it. But to preserve it, I, what am I doing? I'm saving this. I don't want it to go bad. That's what we're doing when the Scripture says, save yourself from an untoward generation. You've got gifts inside you. You've got the Spirit of God inside you. But what this world would do is ruin that thing. You can stand with me. I'm coming to a close. Yeah. <laughs> when I, many years ago, when my oldest kids were little. We found this little song, and it talked about decay. Uh, now, you know what decay is, and it's like that visual. I talked about what would happen to an apple if you just left it, especially out in the heat. What happened to my apple is starting to change. That's the way the kid's song went. It's getting moldy and rotten. <laughs> I 
the song it, it, this is pbs kids if you got little if you got little ones and you want to go find it i promise you it's probably still out there in nature it happens that way that's what it says god took a people to himself the children of israel and he said you are mine i am yours we have a covenant relationship a promise that this is how life will be between us if you keep your end and i keep my end i don't know has anybody ever really found out god just doesn't keep his end he does I mean, I've got my whole life to prove it. You've got yours, and we've got the scripture. We've got history to prove. If I'm wrong, let's just see if the sun doesn't come up tomorrow. I have a feeling it will. Why? Because he keeps his word. He keeps his promise. So a covenant relationship that says, this is how great things will be forever if both parties keep their side of the, of the agreement. Uh, well, we know the human is on the other side of the agreement. And so from all the way back with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the Israelites and Moses, all the way up to the book of Acts and all the way up to now, we see... When humans are on the other side of the agreement, the human is susceptible to all of this bad stuff around the human. We haven't even gotten to what's on the inside yet. That, that'll be a different day. Just thinking about what's around you and the way that it can affect you. Amazingly, at the end of Deuteronomy, it doesn't end on that negative, sorry, you guys blew it, I, I tried. No, it's, it ends with forgiveness, mercy, a new start, try again. Why? Because God knows. Come on, give him some credit because he's smart enough to know I'm entering a legally binding contract with the weakest form the human, but he knows I can forgive, I can give mercy, I can start over, and I can enter a new covenant, a new relationship with my creation. What I feel the Lord is showing us today is, if I want to hope at all of maintaining this covenant relationship with the Lord, I've got to be wise about the world I'm living in. It's not going to make a great deal of sense to say, all right, I'm going to start my diet this week, and if you need me, I'll be at the food court not eating. You can find me in McDonald's, but I'm just going to be reading the newspaper. Why? Why? Because I've got to be aware of my surroundings. The same is with my relationship with the Lord. All right, God, we've got this great, awesome relationship. You've saved me. You've washed me. You've made me clean. 
If you need me, I'll be down in the dirt. It doesn't work that way. There's enough dirt around. The, the word is froward. This generation is going to go every other way but right. But we know what is right. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would pray. I'm going to open these altars. I'm going to ask you to find a place and get with the Lord. Would you just let him deal with you? Come on. Would you just let him speak to you about your life, about where you are in your life with the Lord? God, you know all that there is to know. You know about all that's going on around me, Lord. You know about the voices that I'm hearing, God, that would speak forward things. You know, Lord Jesus, about the influences that are not of you. God, I pray, let there be spiritual insulation, God, that's put around your child today. God, that we would know, that we would know what is right, that we would know what is the direction of the Holy Ghost, that we would know what is the calling of the Lord. I'm asking you to find a place to pray because I know the Lord would speak to you about your life, about the things that are going on in your life. If we'll be open and honest with the Lord, He already knows this generation. He already knows this world and the ways of this world. We've got to lean upon Him and His understanding. We've got to lean upon Him and His wisdom. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, help me, God. Help me, God, I pray. Come on, this is why we need the Holy Ghost. This is why we need the 